Raise your hand if you celebrated a pandemic birthday in 2020 or 2021. 2020 was a time when caravans of cars might drive by your house on your birthday, honking their horns obnoxiously with signs and balloons hanging out the window. Maybe each car would bring you a signed card and drop it off in a little basket positioned in the driveway. Pandemic birthdays have been hard. What was supposed to be a physical gathering of your closest friends and family members became a hazard. If you really wanted to celebrate your beloveds on their birthday, you would most likely stay at least six feet away and not risk exposing them to COVID-19. I attended several Zoom birthday happy hours in 2020. Dozens of friends raising a toast in their rectangle bubble on a screen. I'm usually the one at parties who calls for a group photo. So I found myself unmuting during Zoom parties and asking everyone to please smile while I clicked Command Shift 4 on my MacBook to screen capture the celebration so the birthday beloved could remember that one year when everyone came together in the safest way possible to celebrate their being. We were just finishing up a confirmation class at Church of the Open Arms and last week, the youth learned about the Christian liturgical calendar. When we came to the celebration of Pentecost, I had them guess which color the altar cloths were supposed to be for that Sunday. After ideas of lavender, pink, and black, they finally landed on the color red. Today, we celebrate the red-themed birthday of the Christian church. Back then, no one knew they were attending the very first birthday of the church when they sent in their RSVPs for Pentecost. Instead, the text says, they gathered together in one place 50 days after Passover in order to celebrate the Jewish festival of weeks, also known as the celebration of first fruits, the wheat harvest, also known as Pentecost. On this particular Pentecost, which literally means the 50th day, a number of highly irregular events had just occurred. For one, Jesus had been crucified during the Passover season. Then, accounts of his resurrection surfaced, and appearances of the risen Christ had been cropping up for 40 days. In his latest appearance, the risen Christ promised that they would receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and just like that, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. The Holy Spirit, which Jesus promised to share, had been making a lot of guest appearances during the infancy narrative in Luke's gospel. She was reported as accompanying, accompanying John the Baptist, Mary, Elizabeth, Zachariah, Simeon, and of course, Jesus. The Spirit was mostly enfleshed within Jesus throughout his life, death, and resurrection. But now that he was ascending into heaven, she was ready to be poured out far and wide. Mere days after his ascension, the people gathered to celebrate Pentecost when all of a sudden a sound like the rush of an Oklahoma violent wind filled the entire house and divided tongues as of fire appeared and rested on each person. She filled them up like they were empty cups at a birthday party. A lot of toasting and multiple languages was about to commence. It occurs to me that during Pente Pentecost 2020, 
And for many during Pentecost 2021, the church is having a pandemic birthday party. Some of us are back in our buildings with safety protocols, and some of us are outside in the parking lot, and others are worshiping online, raising a toast, and our rectangular screen bubbles. If this pandemic has taught us anything about the church, it's that the old children's song was right. The church is not the building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is the people. If the church is the people, what happened to the church, to the people, soon after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit poured out far and wide 2,000 years ago? We hear a little bit about what was happening to the church and the people in Paul's letter to the Galatians, written around 55 CE or 25 years after Jesus's execution by the state and the Holy Spirit's coming out party. I know we've had four or more weeks of talking about circumcision in scripture, and this is the last week we are mentioning, mentioning it, thank God, but I don't want to miss the point. The point was that 25 years after Jesus's practice of inclusive table fellowship and 25 years after his new commandment to love one another as I have loved you and 25 years after his free healthcare for all mobile programming, the people in this little town of Galatia were still confused about how to join in with Christianity. Some Jewish Christians had just come through the town, and now all the Gentiles were rushing to get circumcised without anesthesia or modern medicine, mind you. They understood Jesus to be the Messiah of Israel. And if they wanted to share in the benefits of Israel's Messiah, they worried they might need to become adopted descendants of Abraham through circumcision. Paul tries to remind them that both Gentile and Jewish Christians are already heirs of Abraham, receivers of the Holy Spirit, and have no need of depending on fulfilling the law's mandate for circumcision in order to belong to the way of Jesus. Paul sounds like a broken record who says again and again, just because a large number of others have done it doesn't mean you have to do it too. I want to share with you a prayer written this week by Reverend Katie Stenta, pastor at New Covenant Presbyterian Church in Albany, New York. Her prayer is called Pandemic Era Prayer. She says, God, I am praying the prayer of an impatient people. I truly feel that I am and we are the direct descendants of the Hebrews who grumbled and complained from the moment they were freed from Egypt impatient for the new beginning to start. I feel their pain. I pray the, the prayer of chaotic leadership, lifting my prayer beside Moses and Aaron and Miriam and Zipporah, who had to balance what the people want with what is best for the community, and the two often do not agree and are almost always hard to discern. God, I'm praying the prayer of the weary, of Hagar alone and frustrated in the desert, of Abram and Sarai who had to move from place to place to place before finding a home and establishing a household. Is the end in sight? Can I recognize it when it is? I'm feeling very anxious, God, as the news of Damascus 
starts to filter out. And yet, and yet I hold so many immune compromised people in prayer for cancer and surgery and long-term illness. I'm praying the prayer of confusion as I try to sort out what is safe for my children and how to keep them masked, even as adults look forward to seeing one another face to face. Lord, I'm praying the prayer of the privileged in a nation where vaccines are plentiful and sometimes even wasted in the face of India's medical catastrophe, which cannot help but spill over to her sister nations, a sharp reminder that it is already affecting us. And I hold on to my prayers for the well-resourced nations like Japan, who yet still do not have access to the vaccines. Lord, I pray the prayer of the brokenhearted. I shed tears with Jesus for Jerusalem and all of the violence that has been purposefully perpetrated against schools, hospitals, and publishing houses in Palestine. I pray for the fight over land and water and occupancy that is being done in your name. I sorrow that oppression continues. God, I'm praying the prayer of ignorance. As one who has only been able to superficially take in what is happening in Colombia, Weary and heavy burdened, I understand that police violence reigns terror in many places, including my own, and I do not even know what to do next to help dismantle the powers and principalities as they exist now. God, I pray the prayer of a parent who has had only mere hours of true relaxation over the past year. Is that how it's been for you, God? Have you been super busy watching over us and drying our tears and helping us to clean up the messes? God, I'm praying a multitude of prayers today as I face the window, a portal into a new era, uncertain as to what will come next and still weary from what has happened. I am so ready to close the door of the pandemic and yet am aware that this is not how things work. So instead, I lift this prayer of snips and bits to you. Amen. Birthdays, like prayers, are often a time for reflection. They give us an opportunity to remember all that we've lived through, what we've realized and grown from during the preceding years. If I were to take a group selfie birthday, a group birthday selfie of the church this year, we would see how the church has faced a global pandemic and adapted. How the church has welcomed first-time visitors and regular attenders who never even have stepped foot into our sanctuaries because suddenly you can attend three congregations in one Sunday alone online. How the church has strived to make the table wider and more inclusive to those with and without technology how the church has stepped up to address the effects of the pandemic, feeding those whose income was slashed by lost jobs, addressing the mental health crises exacerbated by the pandemic, and finding new ways to foster community and togetherness when we've needed it the most. Near the close of his letter to the Galatians, Paul outlines the fruits of the Spirit a litmus test for telling if your actions are being guided by the Holy Spirit or by someone else. He says, the fruits of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patient endurance, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What images came to mind as I read each fruit? How can we co-create space with God for more of this on our church's birthday? Happy birthday, church. Let's raise a toast to the Holy Spirit and embody her fruits for many years to come. May it be so. Amen.